I got a little bit of a different message this weekend. I think this is going to tend to be more inspirational than informational, although there is some information that I'm going to share with you. But the basis of this message started last week, the beginning of last week. I'm not going to go into a lot of time because I want to have time to, to, to spend here. But I kept hearing this phrase on the inside. Starting late Sunday night, well through Monday into Tuesday, I kept hearing this phrase, strong love, strong love, strong love. And every time I heard that phrase, I didn't make the connection until later in the week. Every time I kept hearing that phrase on the inside and I would say strong love, I would have this urgency to just like, ah, just like this urge to just like, and I found myself doing that without really what I'm doing. Uh, still, of course, when I'm by myself, I'm not going to walk around the streets and go, you know. And I wasn't making the connection until it all came together about the middle of the week. You see, the foundation of our relationship that we have with God is based on one thing, his love. Amen. His love. Everything that God has done for us through Jesus is rooted and grounded in love. Okay? I'm talking about a strong love. I'm talking about a love like none here on earth. I'm not talking about a human love. Because human love, no matter how much a human loves, there's always going to be, listen, listen, there's always going to be an element of selfishness. I don't care how, how great you are, how selfless you are in most areas of your life, but when it comes to love, there's going to be some type, even if it's just a tiny little bit, there's always going to be some sense of selfishness or some self-centered purpose or agenda. That's what separates our love from God's love. I'm talking about a love that's so strong, so fierce. Now, I want you to, I want you to get this picture, okay? Because you and I, I don't know if we, if we understand this, I think some people have the tendency to believe that you're born neutral. And then whatever deeds you do throughout your life is going to determine whether you're going to go to heaven or go to hell. But that's so far from the truth. That you, you and I are born going to hell. Amen. Do you understand? There's nothing that you have to do to go to hell. Just be born. We're already born. We have, we, we have sin nature. If you grew up in the church that I grew up in, we called it original sin. Every single person is born on this conveyor belt going to hell. You don't have to do a thing to go to hell. Adam already did it for us, okay? Adam and Eve set us on motion that every individual that's ever born is on the path going to hell already. So now think about that, okay? Now think about this strong, fierce love. It's so powerful that it dislodged you out of the grip of the enemy, off of that conveyor belt that was going to hell, and took you and brought you back into a relationship with God the Father. I want you to consider that, because I, 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 I don't think we have grasped the depth and the reality and, and, and the, the very essence of what that means to have that kind of love, or to, I should say it this way, or to be that kind of love, Okay? That, that's what we're talking about this morning. This is what, what we're talking about this morning is this strong, fierce, militant type of love. 
Okay, so throughout this message, I want us to check our hearts. I want us to be checking our hearts to see if we are really, really convinced about this love and how it affects us. I'm not, not talking about just the head knowledge. I'm not talking, because right away, some of you are thinking, yeah, 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 I'm gonna go to that scripture in a minute. Yeah, well, well the Bible says God is love. Yeah, 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 that, that's head knowledge. I'm not talking about Jesus loves me, this I know not type knowledge. I'm talking about having a rock solid, established fact in your life that you are convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt that he has that, that strong, fierce, militant love towards you. Because we're going to find out before the end of this message, we're going to find out that is a determining factor that's going to shape and pattern our lives. Are you listening? Okay. The strong love of Jesus has no competition. None can overcome it. Nobody can overwhelm it. Why? Because it's pure. It's holy. It's unlike anything else in our human experience. Most of the time, we love, uh, let me back up. The majority of the time, we love those who love us. We love those who can do things for us. We love those. I've noticed this pattern in many people, and, and I noticed it very strongly in my family dynamic, not my, my, my personal family, I'm talking about my extended family, how we were raised. Here's the typical compliment you would have about somebody. Oh, so-and-so? Oh, they're fantastic people. They'll do anything for you. Okay, so, and then I would sit there and go, okay, let's flip that. So if they won't do anything for me, now they're not wonderful people. You, you, you see what I'm doing? Oh, oh, so-and-so, oh, they're, they're, they're the best. They'll give you the shirt off their back. Well, what if the day comes when they decide to keep the shirt on their back? You see what I'm saying? Do they cease then? to be these wonderful people that we claim that they are. And that's why, that's why you see the tragedy of two people who were in love with each other, shared a bed together, raised a family together, and then something happens where one stops meeting the superficial needs of the other one, and then that say, those same individuals end up in court someplace with daggers coming out of their eyes betraying one another and you say to yourself how does this that's human love Amen. that's you that'll never happen in your relationship with the lord jesus christ Amen. that'll never happen in fact it says when we're faithless he's still faithful why because he is love he doesn't need your love he would love to have our love but he doesn't need why because he is love he is god just does not love he is love. Are you getting this? Yes. Okay. Now, now, listen to me, please. I, I, now I've been in this thing for 37 years, and if I was sitting when you're sitting, I would be tempted to think, oh, it's just another one of those love messages. And I've heard all this before. Please don't do that, because I believe there's some things you're going to see about this subject here that may shake you out of a pattern that is probably leading to much destruction and much frustration in your life. Stick with me, okay? First John chapter four, verse eight. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That's an established fact, right? Yes, yes or no? Yes. The, the fact of the matter, God is love, yes. This, this, this scripture identifies God, yes or no? Yes. 
Okay, but you know there's other scriptures that identify God in, in, in the word of God, in the Bible? Listen, listen to this. What do you want to do with this one? Exodus 15, 3. The Lord is a warrior. Amen. The Lord is his name. Isaiah 42, 13. The Lord will go forth like a warrior. He will arouse his zeal like a man of war. He will utter a shout. Yes, he will raise a war cry. He will prevail against his enemy. So let me ask you this question, church. Which one is it? Is, is God a warrior or is God love? Yes, he's both. This is what I'm talking about. I kept, every, time I, every time I heard that phrase, every time I, I, I spoke it, I kept, I kept seeing a picture, but it wasn't clear. It wasn't clear. I will show you the clear picture by the end of the service. But I knew I was seeing a picture of Jesus, but I wasn't seeing the picture of Jesus with the flowing gown, with the lamb around his neck. I was seeing a figure that we would describe more like Braveheart. How many of you have seen that movie? How many of you have seen it about a million times? If you, there's people in here who have never seen the movie Braveheart? Where are you? You know what I'm talking about? The fierce, militant, passionate, going to step on anything that gets in my way kind of love. That's what I'm talking about. And if you don't know that kind of love from God Almighty, you are missing out on a facet of his personality. Militant, fierce. Step on anything that gets in his way. And that's the strong love of Jesus. It's powerful. And it's powerful enough, like I said before, to break the devil's hold off of you and pull you off of that conveyor belt and get you off of that pattern. Break those cycles, cycles, cycles. I'm not even going to ask for a show of hands of how many people go through cycles in life right now. Well, I'm born again, born again. Yeah, born again. I'm born again too. Your spirit is born again. Your soul's not born again. Your spirit is born again. Do you understand that? This is the frustration that Christians experience. They don't understand the difference. You are tripart in nature. You have been created in the image and likeness of God. Yes or no? I know some of you go, here he goes again. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to keep teaching this. Why? Because this is the reality of Christian life. You are tripart in nature. There are three parts to your being. God the Father exists in three parts, yes? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Well, if we're made in his image and likeness, then there should be a tripart component to us. We are. You are a spirit. You possess a soul, and they live in a body. Now, when you got born again, it was your spirit that got affected. Not your soul. Your soul is still as messed up as it was before until your soul begins to be transformed by the word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you have a problem in your life, when you have a cyclical issue, and there's so many, of course, nobody in here, but you might know someone, (laughs) have a cyclical issue. You're good for a couple weeks. Everything's going good. You're living right with God. and And then all of a sudden, something happens. A little trigger comes, and now you start going on the other side of the cycle. And then a week later, you're full blown back to where you were three weeks before. Ask me how I know. <laughs> but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get some help today. Amen? Amen? Everything, like I said before, everything that Jesus accomplished for us in our life is anchored in that strong love for us. Strong love. Look, it took strong, fierce, 
passionate, militant love to go to the cross when you already know from the time that you're born that you have to go to this cross, what it's going to cost you, how you're going to suffer. Not only that, but you're going to experience this temporary separation from God in heaven. You're going to have to go into the realm of the dead. You're going to be tormented just like anybody else that rejected God would be tormented, ultimately being risen from the dead. But you got three days of hell that you're going to face. Don't tell me that anybody with only human love could accomplish that. It is impossible. It took a fierce, strong, militant love for you to get totally snatched out of the hands of the enemy. Don't you ever forget that. So, Redemption is an act of his love. The fact that you're a new creation in Christ is an act of his love. When you receive healing, it's an act of love. When he gave us authority over the enemy, it was an act of love. Grace for every need is evidence of his love. The truth that sets us free is based in love. God's love will heal you, will break down all your barriers, will set you free from your fears so that you can live free from guilt and condemnation and empower you to live a victorious life. It's all because of that strong, militant, fierce love. Don't you forget it. The love of Jesus is strong enough that it can reach across and pierce through any ethnic barrier, any color barrier, any cultural barrier, any economic barrier. He is not limited by anything. The love of Jesus pierced through the darkness in the realm of the dead and took the keys to hell, death, and the grave away from the enemy of our souls. He no longer has authority over you. The devil does not have authority over your life. He may affect your life as you let him, but he does not have the freedom, the authority any longer to affect anyone he wants. That's why Peter said he roams about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He can't devour everyone. He can only devour the ones who allow him. When you stand up in your authority because the love of Jesus gave you this authority over the enemy, when you stand up along those lines and you say to no, that's enough. I'm not taking any more of your lies. I am not allowing you to torment my mind any longer. I am not going to allow you to afflict my body. No, in Jesus' name. Things change. Things change. Are you listening? Um, There's a Bible teacher that I have followed for many years. He went home to be with the Lord a number of years ago. His name is Derek Prince. Okay, now for those who go study, if you want to go study, you have to go do that. But understand, he didn't get everything right, but he got, he got a lot of stuff right. Okay? He, I was reading one of his articles, and, and he listed 10 ways that the love of God affected us through the cross. Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness that we might be made righteous with his righteousness. Jesus tasted death so that we could share his life. Jesus has made a curse that we might receive the blessing. Jesus endured our poverty that we might share his abundance. Jesus bore, can I stop there for a second? I just got to kind of check on the inside. Let me read that again because somebody went, eh. Jesus endured our poverty that we might share his abundance. And some of you are thinking, well, Jesus was poor. No, Jesus might have been a minimalist but he was not poor. So how do you know that? Well, number one, he had an embezzler in his ministry. 
Did not Judas rob from his ministry? If you don't have anything, how do you get embezzled? Okay, did anybody show up at your house after you were born with a couple of million dollars worth of gold and incense and, and, and myrrh and all this other stuff? Did they, did, they, did they come to your mother's baby shower and bring you gold? Uh, did any, does anybody fight over your clothes? I see that at the cross, they gambled. The Roman soldiers gambled over his garment because it was so valuable. Get those thoughts out of your head. Those are religious man-made traditions. Okay? Now, I'm not saying he was driving around in a Porsche, but when he needed, whatever he needed, he had. You got that? So, Jesus bore our shame that we might share his glory. Jesus endured our rejection that I might have, or we would have, his acceptance with the Father. He was cut off so that you and I could be joined to the Father. And our old man, our old nature was put to death in him that the new man, that new creation might come to life in us. The love of Jesus is strong. It's fierce. It's, it's unconventional. Well, you, you know what it means by unconventional? It was unconventional. Um, unconventional, is, is, unconventional is this. Come up here real quick. Hurry up. Okay, what color shoes does Brian have on? Brown. What color pants does he have? Black. Now, 10 years ago, that was unconventional. It wasn't the norm. I find myself doing the same thing, right? Because he inspires me. <laughs> I'm talking about something that's not normal. Are you, are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not normal. Okay? <laughs> I said to my wife this morning, can I wear this light shirt? It's after Labor Day. She goes, nobody follows that anymore. <laughs> Unconventional. You, are you catching this? Yes. Unconventional. There's something about the love of Jesus that is completely unconventional. It does not follow the norm. Amen. That's what freaked everybody on, uh, around him. Like, what are, you, what, are you, what are you hanging out with this person for? Don't you know who she is? Don't you know what she's done? And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm love. They couldn't grasp it. And I think we don't grasp it sometimes. We don't grasp it sometimes. And then the enemy will come with that lie and say, look at your life. Look at your past. Look what you've done. Look what you did this morning. And the enemy will go, God can't love you. There's no way. Because you see, the enemy will always come with human love, but Jesus always comes with God's love. Now, watch this now. Watch this now. Okay. Unconventional love. I'm going to give you a really, I thought it was a real good example from the Word of God. This truth that I'm about to share with you hit me like a ton of bricks about a month ago, maybe five weeks ago. I don't know what I was reading. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I was listening to someone, what it was. But let me ask you this question. Who was, don't, don't, don't answer me out loud. Don't answer me out loud. Think about this. Who was the very first person that Jesus appeared to when he rose from the dead? Think about this. Okay? I'm not going to go into the scriptures. You can go read it for yourself. John, John chapter 20, Mark chapter 16. Who's the very first person? Very first. Not, not even his mother. Not even his disciple. Who's the very first person he appears to when he raises from the dead? Mary Magdalene. Mark chapter 16 says of whom he cast out seven demons. 
he picks the, 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 the woman with the worst possible past to appear to first. That is fierce, strong, militant, passionate, determined love. He's, with, with, the, with the greatest act that's ever taken place in human history, he's making a statement. Yeah, she was messed up. She was not only messed up in her soul, she's messed up spiritually because she's got seven, at that point in her life, had seven evil spirits possessing her. And we don't like to talk about this subject. People get nervous. But listen to me. You go study the Gospels, and most of the time, you're going to see spirits that Jesus dealt with were entitled or named unclean spirits. Go look it up in the original language because unclean spirit is almost always a demon that's associated with sexual immorality and sexual perversion. And she had seven of them. She had seven devils in her. He cast them out. Now, he knows she's free. She knows she's free. She knows who she belongs to. But don't tell me that every once in a while the disciples were like, you got to watch that Mary Magdalene. <laughs> and you gotta, and I'll guarantee you, I'll guarantee you that some of them said, you better watch it. She doesn't get too close to him. Because we know what she was like. And I'll guarantee you that the people in Magdala, where she came from, that, that's where her name, Mary of Magdala, Mary Magdalene, okay? Guarantee you in the village of Magdala, which is on the, on the Sea of Galilee, okay? I'll guarantee you in that town, you go, yeah, you know who he's got following her? You know who that Jesus has got following? You remember the one who was in town? You remember the one that you caught with your husband? You remember the one that, that's who he's got in his inner group. And who does he appear to? First, Mary Magdalene. That's not normal. That's not normal love. It's completely out of the box, okay? What about Saul? Saul of Tarsus. He calls himself the chief of all sinners. Now, isn't it amazing that decades later after this situation where he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, he's still referring to himself as the chief of all sinners. He didn't write that letter the day after he met Jesus. That was decades later. And the love, the strong, fierce, militant love that Jesus had for this man causes him to meet this guy on the road to Damascus and gives him a spectacular experience. Even to this day, when somebody has a tremendous testimony, they refer to it as a Damascus Road experience. He loved him so much. He didn't allow Saul's past to get in his way. It was unconventional. You remember, because you're all Bible students, you remember when, when Saul finally get, does get saved and he goes right back and starts preaching Jesus he gets to Jerusalem, and none of the disciples want to meet with him because they're like, wait a second, this is the guy that was killing everybody. This is the guy that was... So, so you, you see the difference between human love and divine love. They wouldn't even talk to him. In fact, it's 13 years before he meets some of the disciples. But Jesus had no problem meeting him on the road to Damascus. 
And it so affected his life. It so impacted him. That strong, that fierce, that militant, that get out of my way, I'm going after that person type of love impacted him so much. Now, mind you, mind you, if you study Paul's life, you see through his letters, he's constantly defending himself. Why would you need to constantly defend yourself? Because you have enemies, you have critics, you have people who are coming against you, people that that don't want you to succeed. You have people, you see what I'm saying? Okay, so he's having to defend himself constantly. Why? Because not only does he have people criticizing him, his mind doesn't shut down. His mind, I guarantee you, every time you talked about Jesus, the devil's going, yeah, but you're the one that was there when they killed Stephen. You imprisoned Christians. You led to the murder. You tracked them down. You made life miserable for them. I'll guarantee you that it's going through his head constantly, constantly, constantly. And finally, finally, we know this for a fact because we have the letter that he wrote to the Roman church. And in Romans chapter 8, look what he writes. He writes what he wrote in Romans chapter 8 based on his life experience. Verse 33, Romans 8, 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Who's he talking about? Himself. It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. I guarantee you, that fact is what kept Paul sane. The fact that every time his mind went crazy about his past, maybe faces of individuals that he jailed, Stephen's last words before he dies, it's going through his head, and what would he do? He had to run, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. Jesus has loved me, Jesus appeared to me. Jesus is interceding for me. Then he goes on in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? What's he saying? This is everything he's been through. As it is written, for your sake, now he's quoting the Old Testament. For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who what? Loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels... Nor, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor any, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the strong, fierce, militant love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Do you really know this love? This is what, no, 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 no. Do you really believe that he could have that kind of love for you? Do not answer yet. 1 John chapter 4, verse 15, I want you to pay very close attention to these words. Do I have your attention? Yes. You're either looking at your Bible, looking at your phone, or looking at the screen here. Look it. Yes. Okay? Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. Has everybody in this room done that so far? Yes. Everybody has confessed. If you haven't, we're going to give you the opportunity before you leave today for you to declare with your mouth what you believe about Jesus, okay? Now watch this. So he's saying, whoever confesses Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Let's go. Look at this. I want you to look at every single word. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. 
We have known, we have had knowledge, we know what the scriptures say, but John is saying here, it's not enough to just know that God loves you or God is love. You need to believe that that militant, that strong, that fierce love he has for you individually. Because it is extremely easy for you to believe that he loves me. And it's extremely easy for me to believe that he loves you. But when it comes to us personally, we have this block. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. You getting this? Now look at this. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. What's he saying? When you get to the place where you know and believe the love that God has for you, you become bold. You become bold. You don't let the intimidations of the past affect you. You don't let the insecurities of your life affect you. You don't care what other people think. It's not that you're, 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 uh, you're, you're just nasty and, and above all that. You just, it does not affect you. Why? Because you know that the, the strong, fierce, militant, passionate love of God is directed towards you. And if you have that on your side, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Love has been perfected among us in this, and we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in strong, fierce, militant love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, take that word perfect out and put the word mature in there because that's how it should have been translated. Because in the original language, it's not talking about something perfect without any blemish or spot or any imperfection. It's talking about maturity. And it's talking about somebody who's developed from, from, let's say, this level of love has developed now into the level of love where you know and you're convinced. You know and believe the love that he has for you. Amen. When we're mature, when that love is matured, and I'm praying that that's the goal that we're reaching today, yes. that you're going from the knowing that Jesus loves me, this I know love, to Jesus gave his life for me, Amen. love. Amen. Are you catching this? Yes. So when we get to the point where our love has developed into that place, we're not going to experience torment anymore. We're not going to experience fear anymore. We've been made mature in love. Amen. You getting this? Yes. I, hope this is, I hope this is getting, I hope you're getting this because this is, let me tell you something, okay? Perfect, mature love is what the people around us need. Now, let me, let me just open up. I'm gonna talk about my life here because that's the one I know the best. <laughs> now, my greatest problem before I got born again was this. I had so much self-hatred. The idea of God loving me did not even enter my mind. So when you have that much self-hatred, you can't love anybody else around you. You can't because you're always projecting how you see yourself on others. So it's automatic then to experience or to expect to experience rejection, it's automatically, you're going to automatically expect to experience abandonment. You're going to be suspect of every person that's in your life. Why? Because you're, you're, you don't have love for yourself. And listen, this is not a message about, we well, have to love yourself. No, I, I don't 
I don't think that's 100% true. There's some truth to it, but not to the extent that our society has brought it to. Okay. It's now, do we need to love the Jesus that's in us? Absolutely. But for me to elevate myself in the human love is self-destructive. Because it's, because it's, it's, it's wanting. It's not matured. It's not divine. It is human love. And human love always wants and wants and wants and wants and wants. And human love requires you to be the center of all attention. You understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying is this. I had so much self-hatred against myself, it was impossible for me to love others around me. And so all I projected was that self-hatred. All I projected was that. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. I, I didn't think I was the only one. So, it wasn't until I experienced this strong love, and, I, and I'm not saying I grasped it all, especially years ago, but it was enough, listen, listen, and this is, this is the development, this is the maturity, this is the seasoning, okay? The love of God that you and I experience when we first get born again is not mature perfect seasoned love because that can only come later but it's enough to kickstart you and to get you on the road towards developing more of an awareness and more of an awareness and more of an awareness for instance when i first got to maybe the first uh five to eight years when i got when i got saved oh gosh the time is going i it would take me an hour before i could start praying because I would have to, I'd have to get myself in this position. Thank God at that time we had a place that I could go by myself, go, I don't mean away, I mean a room in the house where I can get to and just be by myself. But it would take me an hour, an hour to feel like I was good enough to even pray. I understood nothing about the righteousness of God. I understood nothing about the position that he places us in. It was all try to earn God's attention myself, okay? And then I would pray because it just wasn't there but i had it but but he he dislodged me out of my old life brought me into this born again experience are you listening to me but i still did not have an inkling of the type of love that actually dislodged me out of the kingdom of darkness you understand what i'm saying that comes later That's why it is such a shame and really bordering on blasphemy when a Christian who's already born again, Holy Spirit living inside them, starts to say, I don't know if God loves me. What are you talking about? Those words shouldn't even be able to come out of our mouth. Why? Because he loved you enough to go die on the cross to get you out of the kingdom of darkness. Anything after that should be gravy. Yes or no? So, that kind of strong love is what, what Jesus wants to extend to us, even today, because there's so many of us that have woundings, that are suffering from shame. There's so many of us that have suffered betrayals in the past, maybe, maybe really recently. There's so many of us that are walking around with broken hearts. There's so many of us that are walking around trashed on the inside. We put a big smile on, but we're trashed on the inside, hurting. So just a couple of days ago, my, my mind caught up with my spirit, and I realized every time I would say strong love, I had this, this, this automatic 
thing that I found my body doing. And I didn't think it was weird at the beginning of the week because I didn't realize I was doing it. But as the week progressed, every time I would say that phrase, I felt this, not like a punch in the gut, more like a, a girding myself up. I don't know if I can explain that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like when you try to tighten up your core because something's happening. Or I, I, and then all of a sudden, I remembered an incident that took place years ago that I had completely forgotten about. Now, it's a very natural thing I'm going to share with you, but I believe there's a spiritual application to it. Uh, this must be 10, 12 years ago. I had, for about three weeks, the, the most horrible shoulder pain. It was just terrible. Now, I was still functioning. I was still doing, I was still preaching. I was still coming to the office. I was still doing what I to do. But man, and I, I hardly told anybody about it. Maybe I told my wife, but the pain was horrible. Now, that time I was seeing a particular chiropractor, Okay. And so I finally, after three weeks, you know, because we try to write it through, finally I went, I got to go back to the chiropractor. So I made an appointment, went in there, and I told him, I said, listen, this has been going on for three weeks here, this, this pain, it's just, just horrible. He says, okay, sit on, you know, the adjusting bench? Yeah. Sit on the bench here, straddle this bench here. He gets on the other side, straddles the bench, and then he says this to me. Now, come on, lean into me. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm comfortable with this. How many of you like personal space? Just a few of us. The rest of you, you'll throw yourself at anybody. How many of you like personal space? How many of you is uncomfortable? My first thought, my, when he said that, come on, lean into me. Now, I know this guy for years. He goes, come on, lean into me. And I'm like hesitating because my first thought was, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm not, I'm not comfortable making myself this vulnerable and this close. My second thought was, one of us is going to get hurt. <laughs> but then I thought to myself, okay, this pain is horrible. I, I can't walk out of here with the same pain. So I'm like, what the heck? What have I got to lose? And so I leaned into him. He wraps his arm around me and pulls me in as close as you could possibly imagine. And then, boom. And I went oh my God, the pain is gone, completely gone. Well, the Lord reminded me of that incident just a few days ago when I'm preparing this and putting it all together. And I realized every time I said that straight, strong love, I was not tightening my core. I was leaning in and didn't even realize it. Listen to me, listen to me. That revelation, if you want to call it, that illumination brought me to a verse of scripture that I have taught so many times and gave me such a different picture of this. Mark chapter one, verse 40, I think it is. Am I right? Yeah. Now a leper came to him, Jesus, imploring him, begging him, kneeling down to him and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You know the story. Then Jesus moved with compassion. What did he do? Stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. Now, on the surface, this is a very short testimony. But watch this now. 
I never expected when I went to the chiropractor that he's going to tell me, sit on this bench, straddle this bench, <laughs> lean into me, let me wrap my arm around you. I never in a million years would have expected that. Yet that was the thing I needed to alleviate this pain. I will guarantee you when we get to heaven and we talk to this guy who used to be a leper, he's going to say, never in a million years that I expect him to touch me. Because he must have been thinking, wait a second, doesn't Jesus know you're not supposed to touch lepers? Doesn't Jesus know we can't even, I'm not even supposed to be in this village right now? Doesn't Jesus know this? But watch this now. What is the first thing that Jesus did? Is the first thing he did heal the leprosy? No. The first thing he did was reach out and touch that man because he needed to be healed in his emotions, in his heart, because here's a guy who hasn't had any personal touch for God knows how long. He's even had to eliminate himself from his family. Why? He's a leper. And what does Jesus do? Come here. Lean in. Let me touch you. Lean in. Let me touch you. And there are, I'll guarantee you, many of us in this room right now that you're carrying pain, may not be physical, and this really isn't talking about physical pain. Do you notice the priority? Jesus first healed the man's emotions. He touched him. And then he healed the disease. Because what good is it cleaning the outside if the inside is still hurting? Are you listening to me? There are so many of us that are walking around and we're clean on the outside. But we're dying on the inside. Pain, hurt, disappointments, betrayals, shame over the past, shame over the present. And we keep drawing back. And he's saying, come here, lean into me. I want to affect you with this strong, fierce, passionate love. Because it's that kind of love that's going to pull you out of that hell that you live in on the inside. Amen. Are you listening to me? Stand up. Listen, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. I promise you I'm not going to come down here and have you lean into me and wrap my arm around you. Because you don't need me. You need Jesus to do that. So listen to me, without any hesitation, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what pain emotionally you're going through. I don't know what tragedy you've seen in your life. I don't know what disappointments you've had to endure. I don't know what shame you've been carrying, but he does. So please take a step. Sometimes that's all you need is to take a step. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Would you please get out of your seat and come up here and say, that's me. I, I want prayer. I want prayer. I need prayer. I need to lean into Jesus. I need to experience this militant, radical, passionate, fierce love. Listen to me. Don't hesitate like I did with the chiropractor. Don't let your pride stop you from receiving. If you know you're supposed to be up here, please get up here. I, I, we don't have time. I've run over time as it is already. We need to get ready for the next service. 
Guys, we're some of the worst responding to stuff like this. And there's so many guys that are carrying around hurts and pains, even from childhood, that have been affecting your life. Could you just move over, please? You can move up. Anybody else? Now listen, those of you that are up front here, I want you to make believe the rest of the room disappeared. Okay, those of you that are standing up, you have any mercy in your heart, any love in your heart, be praying for these people that are up here. Are you listening to me? Now, look at me, those of you that are up here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray over you. I, I pray that you can receive this and not need to have somebody physically. I pray that the Holy Spirit would be so real to you that you're literally gonna feel his arms wrapping around you. Okay, now if you don't, don't, don't let that block you because we're all different and God responds to us all differently. But I do believe this, and this has been my prayer, especially the past day or so, that God would meet every single one of us at the point of our need. There are some of you that are carrying tremendous shame over the past. He doesn't want that. He wants to pull you in. He wants to draw you in. He wants to wrap his arm around you. He wants you to experience that freedom. He wants you to experience that same love that he showed towards Mary Magdalene, that he showed towards Saul, that he showed towards every one of the people that he met personally. He wants you to experience that same love. So, so here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to lift your hands up to the Lord. And just say this with me. Father, I receive that fierce, strong, passionate love of Jesus right now. There's no more obstacles between us. I'm opening up my heart to you, Jesus. You know everything that's in there. And I ask you, flood me with that strong love. Break the chains off of my life with that strong love. I receive it. Make it real to me. Now, just stop, stop praying. And just, now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes, see yourself. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you make this real. See yourself being drawn into his arms. See, your, see, see him wrapping that arm around you and just drawing you real close. Now, Father, I pray for a release of your anointing, God, that breaks the yoke, that breaks every bondage, that breaks every lie of the enemy, that breaks and knocks down every wall that has existed between them and you. I pray that it gets knocked down right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Father, that strong, fierce love, Father God, draw them in, yes. draw them close break that thing. Lord, I pray that they carry this for the rest of their lives that which took place right now, Father. That each one that is up here and those that should have come up here right now, Father, that they would carry this love. That they would remind themselves of this love. Every time the enemy tries to come back, they're going, no, 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 no. No, the strong, fierce love of Jesus has set me free. Father, I pray that this is a reality, Lord God. Holy Spirit, I pray 
that you would remind each and every one that's up here right now, every day, every day, every day, remind them of that strong, fierce love that set them free. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. I pray that you hold on to this. Don't let it go. Don't let it go. Don't let it go. Welcome, everybody. What I just prayed, I mean with all my heart, the message that I'm bringing this weekend, started last night, has the capacity, has the potential to really set some people completely free today. So I'm going to ask you, please, for your attention. I'm going to ask you to please stay focused. Um, this message may end up being a little bit more inspirational than, uh, than you normally would find here, because most of the time I teach. Uh, I believe in the scriptures show us that if a pastor is going to be a pastor, they need to have a teaching ability. They need to teach because uh, according to Jeremiah chapter 3, my job is to feed the flock with knowledge and understanding, okay? But every once in a while, the Holy Spirit will move in such a way to inspire us with the things that are being taught to take steps, take action steps that will cause us to operate in faith to receive the thing that God wants us to receive today. Now, I'm going to ask you to please, again, uh, give me your attention. I want to be able to move through this quickly because there's a place I want to get to before the end of the service here for, for all of our benefit. I hope you can understand that, please. This message is based on an experience that I had late last weekend. I don't want to go into a whole bunch of details, but normally on Sunday nights, my attention starts going towards, okay, Lord, What's, what are we doing next weekend? What, what direction are we going in? Um, and so um, late Sunday night followed into Monday morning, followed into Tuesday. I kept hearing this phrase on the inside. And I'm just going to go through it with the way it happened to me. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, don't expect me to give you clarity right now. You will get clarity by the end of the service. I kept hearing this phrase, strong love. And every time I heard that phrase, strong love, I didn't realize I was doing this until about Tuesday. Every time I would even say that phrase, strong love, I kept feeling this, ah. Uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? Like this, uh, like this is coming up from here. This, ah, uh, this strong love. And I kept getting this picture. I didn't see clearly on the inside at first. I knew it was Jesus. Now, I'm not telling you that Jesus appeared to me. It's a picture that formed. Every time I heard that, every time I said that strong love, I kept, I kept feeling this and seeing this picture of a person. I didn't, it didn't become clearer to me until about Tuesday that what I was seeing in here, okay, was this picture of an individual that had a fierceness about him, had a militant posture, like ready to pounce. You know, you understand what I'm saying? So I kept hearing this strong love, strong love. I didn't need 
to go pray for six hours. I knew exactly what it was talking about. It's talking about that strong, that fierce, that militant, that passionate love that Christ has for us. And, and, and this message is, is, I'm hoping, serves the purpose to get us to this place of, of first of all, if you, if you weren't aware of that, that you become aware of what type of love he has for us, that you'd also become aware that that love is for you personally, and that by the end of the service, we'll take an inventory to find out, did I just have a head knowledge about this love, or has this love literally impacted my life? Is that a deal? Okay, we're good? So you know where we're going. All right, now listen. Our entire relationship with God is based on this one foundation, his love. If it wasn't for his love, we wouldn't be in relationship with him. How can you say that, Pastor? Well, because everything God did through Jesus to affect our lives is rooted and grounded in love. Do you understand this? Are you getting this? All right. So I'm not talking about a love like we have here on earth. I'm not talking about natural love. no, No, because human love, listen to me. Human love, I don't care how much of a good person you are. I don't care how selfless you may be, but when it comes to love, because we're human, okay, because our souls are still in the process of being transformed, there's something about human love that there's always going to be some component of selfishness and self-centeredness. It's, in other words, we love, we, we don't realize we're doing it, we love those who love us. And you notice how fickle that is, that when somebody stops fulfilling what you think you need, all of a sudden that love goes right out the window. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? That's how you can have, and I hope I'm not, I'm not trying to pour salt in anyone's wounds today, by no means. But this is why you can have a situation where you have, uh, uh, you can have a, a husband and wife fall in love with each other, make a commitment to each other, share a bed together, raise a family together, but then somewhere along those years somebody's needs stop being met. And all of a sudden now, this same couple who would have died for one another now ends up in a courtroom shooting daggers at each other, betraying each other's confidence, spilling their guts to perfect strangers, and you sit there and go, how in God's name did it go from this to that kind of hatred? It's because human love is flawed. It's flawed. Now, As we're going to see in the message, we can develop our love in such a way that it closer resembles the love of God. But nobody can do that on their own. I noticed this even in my family. I'm not talking about my personal immediate family. I'm talking about in the family that I was raised in, even extended family. I would hear sayings like this all the time. Oh, oh, Brian? Oh, Brian's a phenomenal guy. Brian will do anything for you. Or, oh, so-and-so? Oh, they give you the shirt off their back. Oh, so, so as long as they give me the shirt off their back, they're a wonderful person. But when they, they decide they're going to keep their shirt on their back, all of a sudden now, that person's no good anymore. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Do you see how we measure? If they can do something for us, they're fantastic people. And trust me, as a pastor for 24 years... I know exactly what that is. 
where you go from being a hero in somebody's eyes, as long as you tell them what they want to hear, do what they want you to do, but when you can't do that anymore, it goes to the opposite side of the spectrum. Okay, and I'm not crying on anybody's shoulders, I'm just telling you, it's life. It's just the way it is. And that's all the more reason why we need to develop not our human love, but we need to, we need to understand and recognize that, put it in a category that it belongs in, but then start developing the God kind of love because that's the strong love. That's the fierce love. That's the militant love. Now, I know some of you are sitting there thinking, yeah, I know, I know the Bible tells me in, in 1 John uh, chapter 4 that God is love. In fact, we're going to go to that scripture. 1 John chapter 4 verse 8 says this. He who does not love does not know God. For God is what? Love. Good, that's great. Now let's say it all together. For God is love. God is love. It doesn't say God loves. It says God is love. In other words, any remnant of love that we can express comes from the fact that God created us. Anytime there's any kind of love expressed anywhere on the earth by any type of individual, it is because there is a residue from the original creation of God's love in us. Okay? Are you getting this? Okay. I'm going to keep going. All right? But now what? Now, this is an identifying scripture. Listen to me. This scripture here identifies the character of God. And what does it tell us about God? God is what? Love. Okay? Now, there are other identifying scriptures in in the word. I want to show you a couple of them. And let's see what kind of conclusion we can come to. Um, Exodus chapter 15, verse 3. Exodus 15, 3. You want to read this real loud and be nice and clear? Let's go one, two, three. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Okay, 1 John chapter 4 says God is love, but Exodus 15 says he's a warrior. Let's go to that other scripture in Isaiah 42. The Lord will go forth like a warrior. He will arouse his zeal like a man of war. He will utter a shout. Yes, he will raise a war cry. He will prevail against his enemies. So church, which way is it? Is God a warrior or is God love? Is God love or is he a warrior? Which one? Both. He loves us with a strong, militant, fierce, determined love that's going to step on anything, knock anything down to make sure that he gets to you. Not a, this isn't a Jesus loves me, this I know kind of love. This is more like Braveheart type love. Has anybody seen the movie Braveheart? Come on, don't be ashamed to admit it. Come on, let's see. I'm stunned by the amount of people who have not watched this. I must have seen it about 100 times already. Braveheart. Now, take, take Mel Gibson out of the way with all his human flaws and picture Jesus, militant, fierce. He's going to lay his life on the line. He's going to trample down any army that comes by him. He's going to lay his life down to make sure that you know and believe the love that he has for you. Are you listening to me? See him that way. Too many of us had the picture, Jesus loves me, this I know. You see, Jesus, with all his like niceties, I don't know. I, I must be weird because when I think about Jesus, I see him kicking over the tables at the temple. I see him casting out devils. I see him 
just hating sickness and coming against sickness and, and literally saying, how dare you do this to my child? I see that militant love. I see that fierceness. I see that getting in the Pharisee's face because they were making life miserable for their people. I see that. I don't know what it is. Sometimes I wish I could see the Jesus with the little lamb on his neck. I see Jesus, the warrior. I see Jesus determined, passionate. He's not going to let anything stand in the way of me getting to know him. Are you listening to me this morning? I still got eight minutes this morning. So this love of Jesus is strong. It's powerful. Imagine this now. The love of Jesus is strong enough and, and this word just came up in my heart when I was putting this message together. I was thinking about this idea of Jesus plucking us out of the kingdom of darkness. And I heard the word dislodge, dislodge. When something's lodged, it's stuck in there, right? Right? When something is lodged into something, it's stuck in there. Yes or no? Yes. Okay, don't go asleep on me, okay? Because you're going to miss out on this message. All right? And that's basically what happened to us. We just got thrown into this kingdom of darkness. It wasn't our sin that threw us in there. It was Adam's sin. We were lodged in the kingdom of darkness, just stuck in there. How do we know this? I'll prove it to you. Do you know that you don't have to do a thing to go to hell? Some of us have this idea that we're born neutral, like a, like a, like a, a, a blank slate. And then whatever we put on that slate at some point in life, then God's going to go, oh, okay. So there's more good than there is bad. Okay, i let you in. No, that's not how it works. Every single one of us are born going to hell. There's nothing you do to go to hell. There's something you have to do to get off that conveyor belt. And I see it as a conveyor belt. You're born in this conveyor belt. We're all going through life. And then at the, at the end, some point, for those who don't make the decision to get off the conveyor belt, they're just, whew, and that's it. And that's got to be the most horrible nightmare for a human being to experience because hell was not created for us. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. But you see, when a person continuously rejects Christ and continuously rejects God, you can't go to heaven. You wouldn't want to be there. If you don't want him in your life, how are you going to spend all of eternity? So what happens? He puts those people who are determined not to spend life, eternal life with him in another place. Why? Because nobody ceases to exist. You're going to continue to live. You may not be in this body. And truthfully, some days I'm like, I can't wait to be out of this one. <laughs> but you're going to live forever. The only determining thing of, the only thing you get to determine is where. It's just like real estate. It's location, location, location. Where are you going to spend eternity? You determine that. God doesn't determine that. You determine that. So we're born lodged into this kingdom of darkness that if we at some point in our lives don't accept this message of his strong love, his fierce love, his militant love, his passionate love, if we don't say yes to that, we're heading, we're just, we're on the conveyor belt already. You getting this? His love is so strong that he dislodged you out of that kingdom. When you said yes, when you said, I believe in you, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. Jesus, be my Lord, be my savior. Come into my life, come into my heart. What happened? Bam, you got dislodged out of that kingdom and brought into a new kingdom, a kingdom of light, the kingdom of love, the kingdom of his dear son. Are you listening to me? His love did that. His love on the cross did that. That's not human love. You got to remember something, okay? 
Jesus didn't wake up one day, oh, I'm, I'm the Messiah. No, he knew this. He had this on the inside. He's known from the time he could, could have a, a conscious memory, he's known for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. He knew that someday he's going to have to go to that cross. He knew someday he was going to have to suffer that brutal, horrible death. He knew someday his father was going to have to turn his face from him on the cross so that he could experience what you and I would experience if we reject Christ. He knew that he was going to have to spend time in hell, in Hades, the place of torment. But he also knew and had faith in his father that at some point, he's going to get resurrected out of that place. But human love can't go to a cross like that. Only that passionate love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you listening to me? Everything that Jesus accomplished for our life is anchored and rooted in that love. Think of it this way. Redemption is an act of love. The fact that you're a new creation is an act of love. Healing is an act of love. The authority that he gave us over the enemy is an act of love. The grace that we need, that we get every day for the things that we need is evidence of his love. The truth that sets us free is his love. God will heal you. He'll break down your barriers, your fears. He'll set you free from guilt and condemnation, and he will empower you to live a victorious life. And all of that is because of that strong, that fierce love. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is love. God loves the world. and, And because God loves the world, love gives. Love forgives. And Jesus' love is so strong. It's so passionate. It's so determined. It'll bust through every barrier, every cultural barrier, every color barrier, every economic barrier. Just break right through every single one of those. His love just pierced through the darkness and took away the keys to death and hell and the grave. And the devil no longer has the right to afflict you. Say, well, he's certainly doing a good job. The devil does not have power over us unless we allow him to. Are you listening? Most of us have no idea. We don't understand the authority that we've been given in Christ. We don't understand he's given you his name to use that you can stand in the face of the devil and say, excuse me, stop this right now. I don't belong to you. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's given me his name. He's given me power of authority. He's given me power of attorney to use his name. And the devil has to obey that as if Jesus himself was standing here. Are you listening to me today? That's a product of his love. He wasn't gonna leave us here. Behind enemy lines, helpless. There's a Bible teacher named Derek Prince. He went home to be with the Lord probably about 10 years ago. Phenomenal Bible teacher. I was reading an article by him, and he listed 10 ways the love of God has affected us through the cross of Jesus, through that strong, fierce, powerful love. Consider these things. Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness that we might be made righteous with his righteousness. Do you realize, let me stop there for a second. Do you realize that because Jesus had no sin and never sinned, that he couldn't die on the cross? Because death came into the world through sin. If he had no sin, there was no way for him to die on the cross. He had to become, not just take our sin, he had to become sin. 
so that he could experience death. Are you catching this? Who does that? That's not human love. If I knew that I had no sin, and for me to help you, I'm going to have to become sin so that I can experience this horrible death. Honey, you're on your own. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Who does that? And is, some of you might be sitting here today going, because I'll be honest with you, if I was sitting where you were, and I've been pastoring now for 24 years, but in those, in those years before that, if I was sitting in a service and listening to this, I would be tempted. I wouldn't say I'd give in to it, but I would be tempted to sit there going, oh, it's another love message. I pray to God that you're not doing that because you don't know where I'm going yet. Okay, so please understand the depth of this love. Don't, don't miss out. Don't let, don't let this thing get blocked in you because you're thinking, oh, I've, I've heard all these messages about love all these years. It's one thing to know. It's another thing to believe. Are you getting this? I'll show you. We'll get there, Okay. So, so he became, he had to become sin so that he could die so that we could become righteous. Jesus was made a curse that we might receive the blessing. Jesus endured our poverty that we might share in his abundance. Jesus bore our shame that, he might share, that we might share his glory. He bore our shame. Do you understand that? He bore our shame. He, he bore the stuff that most of us don't know about each other. That's good, pastor. Keep preaching it. Are you grasping this? He bore, could you imagine how disastrous it would be if all of a sudden each one of us had one of those thought bubbles above our head and all this stuff that we don't want anybody to know that we participated in was all of a sudden there. You couldn't clear this room fast enough. He, listen, he bore all that shame. Remember something, Okay. In spite of the pictures that we see, Romans didn't crucify a person with a cute little loincloth. They went naked. They carried the cross naked because they wanted to cause the ultimate embarrassment, the ultimate humiliation, the ultimate shame. He took that so that we could have his glory. Are you listening? He was cut off so that we might be joined to the Lord. He endured my rejection that I might have his acceptance with the Father. And then finally, our old man, our old nature was put to death in him that the new man might come to life in us. That's all because of his love. The love of Jesus is strong. The love of Jesus is fierce. Now I want you to consider something else. The love of Jesus is unconventional. What does that mean, that word? Unconventional. It means out of the norm. It means very different. It's like swimming against the, the, the current. It's like going in the face of all that's accepted. His love is extremely unconventional. He did things that freaked out his community and his society. He did things that would cause the people to say, you're not supposed to do that. But he did it because of his love. I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to ask you this question. I don't want anybody to answer out loud because I just want you to ponder the, the answer. Who? Don't answer out loud. Don't spoil it for anybody. Who was the very first person that Jesus appeared to 
when he rose from the dead. This thought hit me about five weeks ago. I don't remember if I read it in an article or if I heard somebody teaching on it or whatever it was, but all of a sudden this thing jumped at me. Who was the very first person that Jesus appeared to? We find out it wasn't his mother. It wasn't any of his disciples. I'm not, for the sake of time, I'm not gonna go to it, but John chapter 20 tells us that this woman, Mary, went to the tomb early in the morning. It talks about her experience of seeing the angels. It talks about her experience of seeing Jesus and first thinking he's the gardener and then realizing who he is. But Mark chapter 16, verse nine, I believe it is, tells us exactly who it is. It says very early, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. And then it says this, listen, listen. Of whom he, Jesus, cast out seven demons. What? You pick this person with her past and her reputation instead of appearing to your mother, instead of appearing to Peter, James, and John, the ones who are with you all the time, instead of appearing to the Romans so that they could know who you are, who does he appear to? Mary Magdalene. His love is unconventional. And it says that he cast out seven demons from her, seven evil spirits. Now listen to me. You go read the Gospels, and almost every time that Jesus deals with a demon, it's referred to as an unclean spirit. Let me, let me give you a hint here. Okay, go read it in the original language. The unclean spirit almost always refers to a demon spirit that causes a person to get involved in sexual immorality and sexual perversion. Are you listening to me? Who does he choose to, to appear to for the very first person after he raises from the dead? This woman who God only knows what her past was really like. I'll guarantee you this. Yeah, she's free now. She was free when, she, when, when, he, when, she, when he appeared to her. She's free already. She knows that she belongs to him, but guess what? I'll guarantee you that some of the disciples during those three years might have pulled aside and said, you better watch it. She doesn't get too close to him. You remember what she was like. You remember her reputation. I'll guarantee you the people in the village of Magdala, where she came from, where, where her name comes from, knew her reputation. I'll guarantee some of them gathered on street corners and said, did you hear about that guy, Jesus? He's supposed to be the Messiah. Do you know who's following him? Do you know who's hanging out in his crowd? You remember Mary? Yeah, you remember Mary? Yeah, Mary. you remember Mary, the one that you caught with, her, with your husband? That Mary is the one that's hanging out with this Jesus. And who does he choose to appear to first? This woman with this horrible past, horrible shame, and horrible reputation. Yet, his love was so strong that he did not let her past affect the relationship that he had with her. Now listen to me. If he did that for her, he's going to do that for you. No matter what you've gone, no matter what you've been involved, no matter what you're involved in now, his love is so strong, he will punch right past that thing to get to your heart. Are you listening to me? Think about Saul of Tarsus. Excuse me for a second. Think about Saul of Tarsus. <clears throat> Persecuting Christians, putting them in jail. 
Some of them died. We know for a fact it's documented that he was there when the very first martyr of the church was executed, a man named Stephen. The Bible tells us that there was a young man, while he was being stoned to death, there was a young man named Saul who was keeping guard over the cloaks, over the robes of the people that were stoning this guy, Stephen. He admits it himself years, decades later when he's on trial. He gives his testimony about how he was there when Stephen was murdered and gave his consent to Stephen being murdered. And yet the strong, that fierce, that militant love of Jesus was so powerful. And Jesus had such a love for this man that it caused him to appear to Saul on the road to Damascus, totally changing his life around, totally changing his life around. But watch this. If you read Paul's letters, you get a sense that he's constantly trying to defend himself, constantly trying to justify himself, trying to say, hey, I'm just as good as all these other apostles. Go read, study his life. Why is that? Is it possible, and I believe it is, I believe we have proof of it in the scriptures, that Saul, when he became Paul, still carried the memories of Saul. Still in his mind, thinking, man, how can God even use me? How can God, I, I, I was there when they killed Stephen. I've put families in jail. I'm responsible for persecuting the church. How can God still love me? Maybe, maybe the critics are right. Maybe I have no business doing this. Maybe I should go back to just making tents. Maybe I have no business doing this. I'll guarantee you that night and day, night and day, night and day, he had to deal with these thoughts, these lies, these accusations, condemning him, trying to make him feel guilty. And then decades later, we know he's still dealing with this stuff because we have a letter that he wrote to the church at Rome. You listening? Yes. Are you getting anything today? Yes. The love that Jesus extended towards Paul is still so strong that no matter what lies he's having to contend with, no matter what thoughts he's having to contend with, and I know that didn't just stop with him. I know there's many of us in this room that deal with the same thing. The mind doesn't shut down. Our mind is constantly accusing us, constantly condemning us, constantly pointing out our flaws, constantly pointing out our insecurities. Are you listening to me? Decades later, he's still dealing with this stuff. Romans chapter 8, verse 33. Listen to, listen to this. You know, we can learn a lot when you listen to people. Yes or no? Yes. Here's what he wrote to the church at Rome. Romans 8, 33. Who will bring, a, a, who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? Who do you think he's talking about? Himself. It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No, no one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God who is also interceding for us. He's just telling us here in this letter, this is what I've done to stay sane. When the accusations come, I remind myself, who was gonna, who's gonna bring a charge against God's chosen? No one. Then he's reminding himself, because the thoughts are still coming. The thoughts are still coming. No, 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 no. Christ died for me, and even more so, he rose again. He, now he's interceding for us. He's talking to the church, but he's reflecting his thoughts. 
This is what kept him sane. The idea that the love of God, the love of Jesus is so strong that no matter what's going on in his mind, and I'm telling you right now, for those of you whose minds are occupied constantly with shame, constantly with hurts, constantly with the wounds of the past, you have a God, you have a high priest in heaven who's making intercession for you. He's praying for you. He's helping you keep your sanity. Are you listening to me? But look what he goes on to write. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nobody. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. He just gave a list of what he's been through because he talks about the same stuff in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when he talks about all that he suffered through his life, the shipwrecks, the times that he got robbed, the times he stabbed, the times he's beaten, the times he was cold and naked and hungry. Then he goes on to say, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, it's almost like in verse 37, he snaps and goes, comes back to himself. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who what? Love. Loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any other powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the strong, fierce, militant, determined love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, let me get to the message. Do you know about this love? And do you believe this love? Listen to me. There is a concept in the word concept in the word of God that few people recognize. We're so hung up on the unconditional love of God. And is God's love unconditional? Yes. Say it again. Is God's love unconditional? Yes, it is, absolutely. But is every promise of God unconditional? Absolutely not. The promise of you being born again is dependent on you receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's a condition, right? Yes? yes? yes. Okay, watch. 1 John chapter 4, verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he, and he in God. Yes or no? Yes. Is that true? Yes. Good. Next verse. Look at this. Very close. Don't, don't miss out on one word here. And we have what? Say it real loud. Known. That wasn't loud enough. Say it real. And we have known, known and what? Believed. believed. The love that God has for us. You see it? It's not enough to just know it. It's not enough for you to sing that song, Jesus loves me, this I know. There's a lot of things in the Bible that we know, but they don't become a reality until we believe. Are you listening to me? And don't sit there and tell me that every single one of us, oh yes, it's 100% fact in my life. I don't think so. You may know about the love of God, but do you believe it's for you? Next verse. Love has been perfected among us. And that, and that, and this, and we, if it's perfected in us, we're going to have boldness. When you are convinced of somebody's love for you, you can be very bold with them. Your insecurities go away. The intimidation factor goes away. But watch this now. I'm going to paraphrase this for the sake of time. John tells us that you not only have to know about the love of God, but you have to believe the love of God. And you've got to believe it's for you. And there's this, there's this realm of love 
that we can step into where fear disappears, torment disappears, insecurities disappear, anxiety disappears. It's a fierce, strong, militant, determined love. If you may be aware of that, we just saw how he loved that way towards Mary Magdalene. We saw that he loved Saul of Tarsus that way. But are you willing to believe that he loves you that way? Because until you're willing to believe that, then you're not perfected. Watch this now. When you see that word perfected in 1 John chapter 4, it really should have been translated mature. Would you agree that there's a big difference between perfect and mature? Okay. Perfect is there's no spot, there's no wrinkle, there's no blemish, there's no imperfections. There's no way that you and I are going to get perfect on this side of heaven. It's impossible. If you think you are, come up here because I'm going to cast that devil out of you. <laughs> it's impossible. But, but listen, can we mature? Yes. Yeah. Should I be a little bit more mature in these things than I was the first day I said Jesus came into my life? Yes. So, so it's a love that develops, yes? yes? And that's what we need to do. We need to develop. And I pray to God, I've been praying to God, and I've been believing God that today will be your experience to mature come up to a new level with this thing with God because until you start believing that he loves you it's only going to be a head knowledge and head knowledge does not prevent the accusations the thoughts the shame the hurts the wounds the cycles that won't break but there's something about that realm and when you step into when you start developing that realm it starts to break the chains. It starts to eliminate the darkness. It starts to break the patterns. Now listen to me. Before I came to Christ, I looked back and I realized that my greatest problem was self-hatred. Now maybe none of you have ever experienced this. Self-hatred. I did not, I could not love myself. I could not deal with the shame. I could not deal with unworthiness. Unworthiness was icing on the cake. That would have been that would have been an improvement. I could not deal with that. I, there was no way possible for me to believe that God loved me. No way. The thought never even occurred to me. Okay? So because of that, my self-hatred projected onto everyone around me because you can't love somebody when you hate yourself like that are you getting this so when I first got exposed to that little bit it was it was a lot of love for me but looking back now it was just the initial punching through that was enough to dislodge me out of the filth out of the self-hatred out of this feeling constantly separated and brought me on this path at least to start moving in that direction. Now, I told you in the beginning of service last week when I first started getting the sense of what the teaching was supposed to be this weekend. Every time I heard that strong love, I, I, I found myself doing this. We're not realizing it. 
It took me about two days to realize, what are you doing? Every, every time I would get on my, by myself in my office, in my basement, whatever, where, where I'm, I'm studying, I'm praying, every time I would say strong love, I felt this, this like, you know, when you're trying to, to strengthen, like something's coming at you, like you're trying to strengthen. I felt this thing. I, felt, I found myself doing this, didn't realize what it was doing. It wasn't until two days ago that the Holy Spirit reminded me of an incident that took place years ago, probably 10, 12 years ago. I had, for a period of about three weeks, this horrible shoulder pain. You guys are still with me, right? I had this horrible shoulder pain. And it went on for about three weeks. Now, I was already seeing a chiropractor. I had very pretty close friends with the person. And so finally, you know how we are. We wait until you can't stand the pain anymore, right? And then we go. So I make the appointment. I go to the chiropractor's office. And we know each other well. And I said, Doc, listen, I've got this pain, blah, blah, blah. And he goes like this to me. Okay, how many go to chiropractor? How many, how many, you know, the bench that you, you know, puts you on? He says to me, sit on that end of the bench, straddle the bench, facing me. He gets on the other end of the bench, this way, facing me. And he says this to me, now lean into me. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> Just, just come in, lean into me. And I'm like, my first thought was, um, I'm not real comfortable with this kind of, you know, how, many, how many like personal space? No, just, just me and Bill. How many of you like personal space? Okay. All right. So I'm like, okay, I'm starting to sweat a little bit. I'm like, what do you mean? Um, just lean into me. My first thought was, I'm not comfortable with this because now I have to be vulnerable. You see what I'm saying? My second thought was, one of us is going to get hurt today. <laughs> so I'm, and I'm hesitating, but I'm thinking about the pain. I'm like, oh, I can't take this pain. If this is what it's going to take, come on, let's go for it. <laughs> so so, so I, I, I lean into him, and he wraps his arm around me and pulls me in close, and they just go, Pop. And I went, oh, my God, the pain is gone. He said, well, what does that have to do with anything? That was the picture I was getting. In the beginning of the week, every time I heard that strong love, I was getting that picture of Jesus leaning in, leaning in and telling us, come here, lean into me. Lean into me. Let me wrap my arm around you. Let me pull you in close. Because this has to get fixed. Are you listening to me? And all of a sudden, immediately when I, when I remembered that incident, made the connection, all of a sudden my mind went to Mark chapter 1, verse 40. I'm never going to see this scripture in the same light again. And I pray you don't either. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. Now a leper came to him, came to Jesus imploring him, begging him, kneeling down to him and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. Now watch this now. I'm picturing this whole scenario taking place and I'm thinking to myself, the leper 
probably felt exactly like I did that day in the chiropractor's office. What do you mean? Jesus, don't you know you're not supposed to touch lepers? And I guarantee you when we get to heaven, if we're going to find this guy and say to him, he's going to say, he's going to say, never in a million years did I expect him to touch me. I would have said the same thing that day in the chiropractor. If, if I would have known that he was going to tell me, come over here, lean into me, I'd probably still have the pain. Never in a million years did I expect that. But listen to me. Jesus understood there is no use me cleaning the outside of this man when his heart is still broken. Say, what do you mean, Pastor? You don't understand because we don't live in that day and age. A leper had no physical contact with anyone. A leper can't even, in fact, it was a miracle that he was even as close to Jesus as he was to ask him for healing. They're supposed to live outside the village, away from their families, no physical contact. If they came around anyone, they would have to yell at the top of their lungs, unclean, unclean, so that you had time to get away from that. And here's this Jesus who reaches forth with that strong, fierce, militant love, touches him first, lets him know that he's accepted, lets him know that he's loved, lets him know that he's not afraid of the disease that's on him. And then Jesus speaks to the leprosy and it goes. Church, there's too many of us walking around with broken shoulders, broken hearts. Too many of us that are walking around with bruises from our past. There's too many of us that are walking around with shame, with, with hearts that are broken. And Jesus is saying today, lean into me. And you gotta get close. You can't stay at an arm's length with Jesus and get healed. You can't stay at an arm's length with Jesus and, and, and get rid of your junk, your garbage, the trash, the baggage, the luggage. You gotta get close. You gotta be willing to lean in. You gotta be willing to let him wrap his arm around you. Too many of us are walking around disabled on the inside, tormented constantly in our minds. Let him do it today. Would you all stand up, please? If this message has touched your heart, please don't you dare retract. Don't you dare withdraw. Brought you here today. Set you up to come to this place today to hear this message because he's longing for you to lean in. I don't know how he's gonna do it, but I know that if you'll take a step, if you'll take one step, he'll take 10 steps because he always does exceedingly, abundantly, above anything we could ever ask or think. And he wants to take care of some things today in our lives. Would you please, if that's you, uh, I'm not gonna draw you into my heart and my chest here and pull you in, <laughs> but I'm gonna give you a chance to respond and let him lean into you 
and let him draw you close to his heart and let him reach in and take care of that thing that's on the inside that needs to be repaired, healed. He is the healer of the brokenhearted. He is close to those who are crushed in spirit, but you can't keep pulling back. Please don't do that. If that's you and you want that kind of touch from him, I want to give you the chance to respond. I'm going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every one of your children that came up here. Everyone that's standing up here right now, Father God, I know most of them are at the end of their rope. Most of them, God, have no place else to go but you. Most of them, Father, are at the place where they're saying, Jesus, if you don't do this for me, I don't know if I can go on. Now, Lord, you said whatever we ask in your name, you'll do it. I'm asking you now, Jesus, to draw each and every one of them close to your heart. Father, I pray that they would sense your presence right now. Jesus, that they would sense you wrapping that arm around them and pulling them close to you. That you speak peace to them. Speak wholeness to them, healing to them. Father, they've come to you, Lord God, with open hearts. Willing to be vulnerable, willing to be transparent, willing to say, I need you, Jesus. And you said, whoever comes to you, you'll never turn away and they'll never be disappointed. So Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Father, for those that are suffering from shame for the past, that that shame is broken right now in the name of Jesus, that they would see themselves worthy of your love. That they would fully grasp and understand that you've wiped away that past. You don't see it. You don't look at it. Father, for those who have suffered abuse, whether it's verbal abuse, mental abuse, Father, especially physical and sexual abuse, God, I pray for healing right now in the name of Jesus. Father, for those who have been betrayed and their hearts have been broken, for those who have been wounded by another loved one, God, I pray for healing right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that Jesus would draw us so close that we'd even hear his heart beat, so close to his heart, that we would lean in right now in the name of Jesus, leaning in and just allowing you, your love to just flood over us and saturate us. Father, for those that are experiencing fear in the name of Jesus, I break the power of that. Anxiety, I break the power of that in the name of Jesus. Lord God, we're close to you, close to you, close to you. I pray for that release right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Okay, those of you that are up front here, you can open your eyes, lift your hands up to the Lord. Say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive your love. I receive that strong, that militant, that passionate love of God. I receive it now. I know that you love me. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me so much that you don't want me to stay in this place. Thank you. I bring all my hurts. 
all my shame, all my wounds, all my betrayals, all my disappointments, I bring them to you right now, Lord. Breathe on them, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for what you've begun in our hearts, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus, because you said, he who began a good work in us will complete it. And I thank you for complete working of the Holy Ghost in our lives. Father, I speak wholeness over every person. I speak stability over every person. I speak strength over every person. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Listen to me. Hold on to this, please. Please hold on to this. Hold on to it by speaking with your mouth. I received the strong, militant, fierce love of God today, and it's changing me. Say, well, I don't feel anything right now, Pastor. It's changing me. It's working in me. It's bringing healing. It's bringing stability. It's bringing hope. Are you listening to me? Can you promise me that you're going to do that? I pray that the Holy Spirit reminds you to hold on to it. Don't let it go. As, as much as he has fiercely taken hold of you, that's as fierce as you take a hold of his love. Amen?